0: James chapter 4. Back to James 4. We're just going to touch on the second part of verse 2 and verse 3. We'll have a little bit of a review, I guess a little bit of a prep for this passage. Um, It's one of the strangest transitions to the subject of prayer uh, that I can think of from the Word of God and so that's been a challenge for me um, but I pray that we'll be able to understand it uh, with spiritual understanding. You know when we go to church it ought to be the most, uh, it ought to be a place of harmony, it ought to be a place where we can take our spiritual armor off, it ought to be a place, a safe place for children of God to go. We can go and we don't have to fight, uh, we don't have to war, uh, we don't have to put up all this resistance against the world or against sinners that might be fighting against us or backbiting us or whatever. But this church was like going to the Sunday morning fight club. I mean, that's basically what it was when you read of it. It's perplexing to me that a church could get to such a place like this. But even today, beloved, there are churches that are meeting and the people are fighting with each other. And James drills down, I believe, to the root of the problem that they had and why they were in such a case. But let's read the first three verses. He said, from whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence or are they not coming from your lusts, that war in your members? They're coming from yourselves. They're coming from within you. He says you lust, or you, you're sinfully passionate about things that are sinful. You lust and have not. You kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. And you remember last week we said lusts are never satisfied. If you're lusting for something in the world, and you're, you're covetous and you're greedy and you want it, once you get it, you won't be satisfied with it. So you lust and have not you're never satisfied you kill and desire to have and you cannot attain you fight in war all among yourselves yet you have not because you ask not you got to admit that's a strange transition with these people to prayer you have not because you ask not he says and when you do ask verse 3 and receive not, it's because you ask amiss. That word amiss means you ask with wicked motives, evil motives, carnal desires. You want what you want. I appreciate so much the second Psalm that Chris put up there. Uh, that should be our hearts always. It, I could read every verse, it would go along with this message. Have thine own way, Lord. But in our natural bent, we want to have my own way, Lord, not have thine own way. It's so often my will be done, not thine, O oh Lord. Well, these people were very self-serving. He said, you ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your lust. You ask in prayer to gratify your carnal desires. And listen, this takes some searching when we think about our prayers, why am I praying for what I want? Why am I praying for what I want? Listen, throughout this entire letter, James has been for the most part general in his instruction, in his teaching, in his admonitions, in his reproofs. Like he would say, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that's kind of general. Here, he is very directed and pointed. He said, this is your sin, this fighting and warring, and he said, and it's your fault. So he tells them that. And listen, I want you to think about this. Never think to yourselves that any sin is not dangerous. Sometimes we might, I think sometimes we have a problem identifying what is and what is not sinful. And beloved, that's why you need to have a steady and nourishing intake of the word of God. And this is where you need to search and know your own heart. But never think that any sin is not dangerous, that it can be kind of dabbled with, that you can pitch your tent towards Sodom, that you can come right up to the little fence, like a child, don't touch that, and they'll go stand right next to it. Sometimes that's us. Never think that any sin is not dangerous. And here's how I prove that point. Our first parents fell when they were sinless. You ever thought about that? Mm-hmm. They were righteous, and they were sinless, and they fell. So think about now us. They didn't have a sin nature when they fell. We do. And so man, that's, kind of, that's one of those things that kind of rocks your world, and you have to know how dangerous sin is. Listen, if sin like this ever rears its ugly head among us, It will be because we brought it into the church. James is talking to, there's fighting and warring among you. It's within you. It's within the brethren. It's in the fellowship. It's in the gathering. If it ever rears its head here, it's because we brought it in. And listen, if it comes in, it'll be our fault. I take it personally. I think it will be my fault. Lord, let this never happen. Listen, one way the spiritual health of a church may be known is in her practical and public Christianity and how we live for Christ out in the world, but really, especially, and what James is saying here, is how we get along as a body when we gather together. Are there cliques? Do we not like somebody? And listen, I don't really think these things are here. This is the text where we are, and it's good for us to go over texts like this because, listen, sometimes you read the word of God And you learn how not to be a Christian. Of course oftentimes you read the word and you learn this is what I don't want to do. You read 1st Corinthians 10 and that's basically the subject of the Apostle Paul. All those things were written for examples warning us to not be like the people were when they were coming out of Egypt in that day. Listen, if we're strong in the faith, if we're making use, devoted use to the means of grace, If we're in our Bibles out there and we're walking with God out there and we're praying unto our Lord out there in the world, beloved, then that's how we come into the Lord's house in the Spirit on the Lord's day. You can't just turn it on and turn it off. You can't live in the world for six days and then expect to be spiritual on the first day of the week. Listen, only... After we have tended to our own souls before God, will we be ready to come into the house of God? And then we will be ready to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. And listen, that's what we want. Nobody wants to fight. Some folks are just wired for fighting. They want to fight. Well, listen, if God saves them, God will short-circuit that wiring. And that that wiring needs to be short-circuited. Because listen, if you're always a fighter and you always want to strive and contend with someone, something's wrong. Listen to me. Instead of gathering to pray and hear God's word for this church that James was writing to, they gathered to fight in war with one another. They went to church with premonitions of, I'll show him, I'll show her. Some preachers will use the pulpit as a machine gun turret. I'll get them they got to sit down and listen. (laughs) That's no way to preach the word. And listen, it must never be. It must never be where a preacher gets up and preaches the word with an axe to grind. No, beloved, the word needs to be preached, and it needs to be expressed in love. We shouldn't get angry at the brethren if they've sinned. We should plead with God. We should be like Jeremiah to weep in secret places for their sins. Listen, if our Lord's Day gathering would be a blessing, and I think they are. I'm not preaching this because I think they're not. It's, it's the text, and we're going through the book of James. But if our Lord's Day gatherings would be a blessing, if we, wo- if we would that God would speak to us in this place on Sunday, we must be giving ourselves unto prayer. We must be hungering and thirsting after righteousness out there Monday through Saturday. That needs to be our Christian life. It needs to be who we are. Listen, if you go out there and you're a completely different person and you profess to be a Christian and you're a completely per- different person in a bad way, that's not good. Therefore, if any man or woman be in Christ, they're a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So there must be a newness about you if you're in Christ. And part of that newness is you're a person that prays. You pray. To your heavenly Father. Look at this passage, and this is just the dynamic that should happen between pulpit and pew. Uh, you don't have to turn there. First Thessalonians two thirteen. There was a dynamic between the people in the pew and the preacher. Paul says, "For this cause also thank we God, because when ye receive the word of God, listen." When you received the word of God, which you heard of us, you received it with dignity, with honor, with reverence, with the fear of the Lord. You received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God. Beloved, that's how we need to come to the preaching of God's word. Acts 10.33, just listen again. You remember Cornelius. Why did Peter come there? Well, yes, God sent him there, but Cornelius was a man of prayer. He was praying. He wanted to know the God of the Bible. So God sent Peter there. God answered that prayer. So when Peter got there, Cornelius and all those people that were with him, they were ready to hear whatever Peter had to say. He said, we're all here. Man, they were all ears. They were going to hang upon every word that he would speak. We're all here, ready to hear everything And anything that the Lord has commanded you to speak to us. That's the type of assembly, beloved, that we should desire to be every Sunday. Listen, my favorite church is in Acts 2. You can go to Acts 2, the book of the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 2. And listen, beloved, if there's ever a model that we should want to be, this is it. And listen, there was everything but disunity in this church. There was an accord. There was unity. There was love. There was spiritual cohesion among these brethren. In verse 41, it says, after Peter preached that message at Pentecost, then they that gladly received his word were baptized. I mean, the first part of that ought to speak to us, and that's how we ought to receive the word. They that gladly received his word. Now, these were sinners. Beloved, we ought to continue to be glad to receive the word of God. They gladly received it the same day they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. They were baptized and they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And this was the manner of this church. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. That's not just on the Lord's day, that's Monday through Saturday, every day. They continued in fellowship. They continued in breaking bread. And in prayers, they were praying people, they prayed together, they prayed individually, they prayed in secret. And fear came upon every soul. Listen, when God moves, beloved, I believe there will be a genuine fear, a reverence, a respect for the power of God among us. And there ought to be. Listen, people shouldn't sit before the preaching of the word of God, shouldn't open the word of God without fear. Beloved, there there should be a genuine fear that God is at work. Beloved, it ought to move people, it ought to move someone that they are prayed for. Beloved, prayer is a powerful force. I want you to see that. And it says, And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles, and all that believed were together. They were united and had all things common. They sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continuing daily, see that's what I want you to see. They continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness, means sincerity and genuineness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Beloved, my favorite church, and that's what we should model ourselves after. They continuing daily, and that's, beloved, that's how the Lord's day will be especially wonderful for you. That's how God will, will specifically speak to you on the Lord's day, is when he has been speaking to you Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, when you've been walking with God. Sunday can't be the only time that you pray, Or that you hear a prayer. Sunday should be the time when you hear corporate prayer, but Sunday should be prefaced before you get here by your praying that God would meet with you. Beloved, we should not just come haphazardly into the service. If we do, we're in danger of falling into what the people were in James chapter 4. If we come Okay, preacher, fill me with the spirit. No, beloved, you need to bring, you bring the spirit of God with you into the service. You are, the spirit of God is in you. And so we all have that spiritual responsibility to come. As John said in Revelation chapter one, he says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. That should be every one of our desires. We ought to remember that. I want to be in the spirit. If you have a foul spirit, man, confess it to the Lord. Don't let me go in with a foul spirit, Father. Don't let me go in in a bad mood. Lord, help me to go with the right spirit, oh God. Help me to be a blessing. Help me to hear your word. And listen, that's how sometimes in a church service, one person might say, man, the Lord really spoke to me. And somebody else might say, I didn't get a thing. Man, there should never be a service where we say, I didn't get a thing. Beloved, Let us pray for one another. Listen, you can't just turn the spiritual you on for a couple of hours on Sunday and then assimilate back into the world Sunday evening or Monday. You can't do that. Listen, our church will be as sanctified and spiritual in our gatherings as each of us are sanctified and spiritual out there individually. Because the church is a living organism. We're not a bunch of dead spiritual people. We're alive, beloved, with Christ. We have a lively faith, and that's who we should be. Listen, wars, fighting, lust, envy, hatred, and killing are all normal in the world. It's a normal thing. It's a normal characteristic of being of the world, of being a sinner in the world. They think nothing of it. In fact, many enjoy it, fighting and warring among themselves. But listen, beloved, It's not for you and me. If you're in Christ, if you're a Christian, you are no longer made for this world. You're no longer an inhabitant of the world. Your citizenship has changed. Your passport is the righteousness of Christ. You're no longer of the world and you shouldn't live for the world. Listen, my beloved brethren, that's James uses that term, I love that term. My beloved brethren, listen, you and I should be the most gracious the kindest the most humble and compassionate gracious and loving people on the planet that's who we should be and that should be apparent in our gathering when we are among ourselves yours and my attitude in the church gathering depend greatly again on who we are when we are not gathered when we're all by ourselves So what are you feeding on out there in the world, Christian? And that's what it comes down to. If you're feeding on the Word, beloved, if you're feeding on God's Word, if you're communing with God in prayer, that's where you need to be. You need to be in the green pastures of God's Word. What are you cultivating in your soul? Listen, I know there's people that that binge watch certain TV shows, or that they just on the TV all the time. And you need to be very careful about how much of that tube you take into your mind. There are people that fill up on sports. They gotta have sports. Gotta Man, football season's starting. Am I saying football is evil? No. Am I saying watching a game? No, I'm not saying that but if that's what you're filling yourself up with. You know, I watched a commentator yesterday for a minute because I like to watch college football. I watched some of these talking heads, the talking sports heads. They speak with intimate detail about these players and they don't have any notes. They're filled up with that stuff. I mean, I know that's their craft, but Beloved, is that what we're going to fill up with? Listen, when the game's over, what does that win mean to your soul? I mean, listen, we need to be so careful of what we're filling ourselves up with in the world. Now let me read verse 2 again, the second part, and then I'm going to get to the point of today's message. You lust and have not. You kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight in war, and here's the beginning of the text. Yet... You have not because you ask not. You have not because you ask not. So right here, James sharply rebuked this church, these believers in his day, because they professed to be God's believing people. And I think they were because James called them my beloved brethren. He was writing to profess people of God. Do I believe there were unregenerate people in this church? Yes, I do. But listen... That's the way we ought to treat people. Listen, you call yourself a Christian, I'm gonna call you a brother. But then if you call yourself a brother, there's an expectation that you will live as a brother or sister in Christ in the world. So James rebuked them for being a believing people and yet they were not praying people. They were not praying people. Now listen, you know your habits in prayer. I don't and really, I don't want to say it's not anybody's business, but if you're praying the way you should, nobody's going to really know about it, but they kind of will know about it. Because if you're truly praying, you're not going to be like these people in James chapter 4. If you're really communing with God. Because you can't truly commune with God and live like that. You can't. It's not going to happen. And so I want you to see that. And listen, James says, you have not because you ask not. Now, he wasn't teaching them to pray for their lusts. And that's the difficulty I've had with the connection there. So he was certainly not teaching them to pray and ask God to satisfy their lusts and give them their carnal desires. He wasn't. But he was rebuking them for not being what they should be, a people of true and genuine prayer. And he was reproving them for not asking God for what they should have been asking God for, what they should have been. I believe that so often we don't ask God for what we should. Now, how did James know that they did not pray, or that they did not rightly pray? Well, because, beloved, it's what I just said a minute ago, true and genuine prayer, true and genuine intimate prayer, unites the soul to God. You can't have a spirit like that and commune with God. God won't allow it. God will not have it. In fact, the Old Testament, in the Proverbs, the Bible says, the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. But the prayers of the upright are his delight. The prayer, you're you're offering yourself up to God, you're praying, you're bringing your requests to him. These people in James' day, this was not the spirit and behavior of those that believed Christ who genuinely prayed unto God and who communed intimately with him. Now listen, James calls them brethren. I'm not saying they weren't, but it's hard to understand how they were if they were living like this. Listen, I have to believe that they got this letter from James and they repented. I pray that they did. These believers could not be truly praying. He says, you have not because you ask not. Again, if they were truly praying... I think if you have a true, intimate relationship with God and you pray according to his revealed will and you pray for what you should be asking God for, I believe you won't be in a sinful mess like they were. Here's an example of a prayer that God took no notice of. Remember the publican and the sinner? You remember that? The Pharisee and the publican, I'm sorry. The Pharisee went up to the temple and he prayed, thus with himself, the Bible says. He prayed with himself. He prayed to impress himself. He prayed so he could hear his own words. He prayed a self serving prayer. I thank thee, God, that I am not like other men are. He prayed arrogantly. Listen, James, in a few verses, he says, God resists the proud. God's not going to hear an arrogant prayer. He resists the proud. I thank thee that I'm, I'm not like this publican. Look at him. He's, he despised this publican. The publican was a sinner. Over in the same place, obviously, beating on his chest and calling out to God to be merciful to him, a sinner. In humility, broken, contrite. And the Bible says God had regard to that man. But the religious zealot, the arrogant, elite, religious person who thought he was something, God had no regard. God had regard to the man who knew he was nothing. That man, God says, went down to his house justified. What a blessing that is. In Matthew 6, you don't have to turn there, but Jesus teaches us how to pray in secret. He says, when you pray, enter into your closet and shut the door. Do it in secret. Don't do it so other men can see you or hear you. But the Pharisees, he says, they pray so others can hear them. And they sound the trumpet. And he says they make long prayers and they pray repetitiously. They utter a bunch of words. And Jesus says they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. But they have their reward already. You know what their reward is? That people heard their prayer and they were impressed by it. Listen, we should never pray in public to impress those that hear us pray. We should pray to God and to God alone. In fact, James, turn to James 3.9. You're probably still in James. To pray with a wicked heart is is to be like this. Verse 9, James chapter 3, Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God, to be full of cursing and war and fighting and envy and hateful and then go, Oh, our Father, please hear my prayer. That's a fountain sending forth sweet water and bitter at the same place. Brethren said, James says, These things ought not so to be. And so, beloved This passage has helped me to examine my own heart and how I pray. Listen, James said, all of this lusting and fighting and warring is in you because you're not led by the Spirit of God. These were not people being led by the Spirit of God. Romans chapter 8, look there and we'll move on. Romans chapter 8. You know this passage If you're like me, sometimes you have difficulty praying, don't you? You ever get that yet? It's hard to pray. Sometimes you're frustrated. Sometimes you're depressed. It's hard. I don't know what to pray, Father. And here, the Spirit of God helps us pray. Verse 26, likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities helps us when we're in times of weakness, when we think our prayers would go no higher than the ceiling. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. See that? We know not what we should pray for as we ought. And listen, I understand sometimes we're asking God for something and we don't know whether it's God's will. But that's where our hearts need to be right with God. We need to be walking with God because that helps us to know how to pray. These brethren in James chapter 4 they knew not how to pray. And when they did pray, they were wicked prayers. But Peter says, the Spirit itself will make intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered, silent prayers. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. We need help praying. I need help praying. Listen, you're going to have a difficult time praying in the Spirit, rightly praying. If you don't know the word of God, the more you know of God's truth, the more you're sanctified within by God's truth, beloved, the more you know the revealed will of God for you, the more you will know how to pray. But listen, the only way to begin to learn how to pray is to pray, is to go there. And you need to be very brutally honest with God, beloved. You need to tell God the truth. You must not hide things from God. And listen, that will be a temptation at times. We will get down to pray and we're thinking about something, but we just don't want to say it. God already knows it. Say it. Pray. Pray. Confess your faults, James says. Listen, what this church needed to do is what James says in 5.16. He says, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another. He says that you may be healed. Now, he was talking about infirmities, but I would apply this to your spiritual maladies, your spiritual infirmities, your spiritual sicknesses. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That's the condition. The condition is that that prayer is effectual and fervent, and it comes from a righteous man. Comes from one who loves Christ comes from one who loves the word of God, comes from one who, as Randy preached recently, fears God, reveres God. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man has force and is powerful with God. Has force and it's powerful. James said, you have not because you ask not. And that must not be who we are, children of God. We must not be a people who do not ask God. But sadly, it was who these believers were in the book of James, and it was on full display. Now listen, we'll learn so much more about these believers in chapter 4 as we read on, and we won't read today, but they were proud. They were not submissive to God. They resisted God. They would not draw nigh to God by submitting to God. And in the end, they were self-willed and they were proud boasters. They said, yes, I'm going to, listen, I have to guard myself against that. James says, don't boast like this. Don't say, hey, I'm going to do this and that tomorrow. I'm going here. I'm buying that. No, no. James says, your life needs to be under the will of God. You need to say, if the Lord will, I will do this or that and go into such a city and buy and sell and get gain. But we must not just say the words, beloved. We must have a humble submission in our hearts to God for everything that happens in every day. And if that's going to happen, beloved, we need to be a people of prayer. James 4, 3, and we'll be done. James had now reproved them for how they did pray, how they how they didn't pray but now he reproves them for how they did pray he says when you do ask and you don't receive it's because you ask with selfish and wicked motives and with evil hearts that you may consume what you ask for upon your lusts. So when you do pray, you pray to satisfy and to gratify yourselves and your lusts rather than to honor and glorify God. So you ask God for what you want rather than humbly asking him, Father, what is your will for me? What is your will for me? Listen, it's difficult for me and probably for some of you Because we want to do something, we're just going to go and we're going to do it. We're proactive. We're going to go do it. But what about the will of God? And it's not good enough to just say, well, I prayed about it. Now I'm going to go do it. We're impatient. Listen, we live in an instant society. I want it and I want it now. There's one thing that should be instant in your life. And it's what Paul says to the Colossians, you should be instant in prayer. Instant in prayer, quick to pray. And that's what we should be. Listen, this thing of praying, this thing of humbling ourselves before the Lord, communing Mm -hmm. with God, is gonna come down to that one thing, not my will, but thine be done, O God. And then we'll learn how to ask God for what we should ask God for. What is your will for me, Father? Is it for what your flesh wants rather than for what your soul needs? Listen, it's better to not pray than to dishonor God and ask like this. Listen, Psalm 66, 18. The psalmist says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, you know what the next words are. The Lord will not hear me man, listen, that's very convicting. And I Listen, I'm searching my own heart to know, Father, what prayers are mine or the prayers that you have not heard? If he hasn't, it's not his fault, it's my fault. It's my fault that he hasn't heard those prayers. These brethren in James' day were of a different spirit. They were of the wrong spirit to pray the wise man speaks again he says the sacrifice of the wicked is abomination how much more when he bringeth it with a wicked mind listen we have to have ourselves ready to pray unto our heavenly father listen a good question to always ask yourself before you pray is is help me lord to not pray amiss help me lord to not pray for things that are self-serving Listen, it's difficult sometimes because we may not necessarily want something and pray for something that's evil, but it may not be God's will. And we have to learn how to receive the answer of no and to rejoice in that because sometimes God is going to say no, and like a good heavenly father, he's saying no for your good, for my good. And so we need to be able, beloved, to pray in such a way. Is my heart crying out, not my will, but thine be done? This should always be the cry of our hearts every day. Listen, if it is, that shows sincere and genuine humility and submission to God. Now, listen, I'm going to finish up here in a moment. We need to always remember, I'm going to take you to the Lord's Prayer. You know it, Matthew. You should have this committed to memory. It should be your model. It should be your engine for your, how you pray. Because Jesus taught us. In fact, the apostles asked him, teach us to pray. He taught the people to pray. <clears throat> he said, when you pray, say. Or after this manner, pray ye. Our Father, which shows that we are his sons, his daughters, we are his children. Every child wants to please Daddy. Every child wants to please their, their Father. We should want to please our Heavenly Father. We should know that our Father, our Heavenly Father, knows what is best. Our Father, which art in heaven, He is the high and lofty one which inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. Hallowed be thy name. You are so much greater than me. Father, your thoughts are so much higher than mine. How can I know what's good for me? I must Have you, Father, to guide me and tell me what I must do, how I must live in this or that situation. Thy kingdom come. Father, may your kingdom grow and expand in my own heart. The Bible says the kingdom of God is within you. And so when we say thy kingdom come, yes, we can think of his coming kingdom, but beloved, his kingdom is already here. It's within you. Remember, the Pharisees demanded of him, when is the kingdom of God coming? He said, the kingdom of God is within. Not visible. Here's the next part. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Thy will be done in earth in me, Lord. Thy will be done. Listen, if James's brethren were praying like this, genuinely and sincerely, it wouldn't be the Fight Club Church anymore. It wouldn't because they would, they would sincerely take hold of the fact that they had sinned against God and they would repent and they would confess their faults one to another. Listen, whenever something like this happens among the brethren, the first sign should be there's sin that needs to be repented of. There's pride that needs to be killed out of the lives of one or both or of all. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Thy will. Listen, that's got to be our hearts every single day. Give me this day my daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. It's hard for us to fathom that precept because there's not one of us that only has or that's waiting for God to give food. None of you know that. But you know, I can pray it in this way. Lord, help me to be a good steward of what you give me and help me not to be wasteful. Help me to thank you for it. Forgive me for my sins as I forgive those that sin against me. Forgive me, Father, for saying what I said. Forgive me, Lord, for being the problem, Lord. Forgive me. Lead me not into temptation. Leave me not, Father. Help me. I see how our first parents fell, and they weren't even sinners. Oh, how I need you, Father. Deliver me from evil. Deliver me from the evil one. And I love the last part. We don't think about it a lot. For thine is the kingdom, thine is the power, thine is the glory. Not mine is the kingdom and mine is the power, and mine is the glory. No, not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory, O God. If the people in James' day could only understand this, they would have wept for their sins because they had dragged the name of God through the dirt. O beloved, pray, and know how to pray. Pray. Listen, I could bring you to a whole host of scriptures. I'm just going to bring you to a couple. Isaiah 66, I want you to see this. If you want to go to the Lord with the right spirit, and you want God to bend his ear toward your prayer closet, if you want him to hear your prayer, then listen to what he says in Isaiah chapter 66, and verse 1 and 2. He says, Thus saith the Lord, Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that ye build unto me? Where are you going to build me a house to inhabit my presence? Because I sit in the heavens, and my feet rest upon the earth. God fills the heavens and the earth. Where is the house that ye build unto me, and where is the place of my rest? For all those things hath mine hand made, and all those things have been, saith the Lord. But to this man will I look, I will regard, I will listen to, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit and trembleth at my word, that trembles at my word. Lord, help us to be that people. Listen, if we tremble before God, if we reverence and fear God I love so much that message that Randy preached the other day in the psalms if that's who we are beloved then we'll have a great fear of offending God or dishonoring him when we gather together as the people of God one more uh, Psalm 34 and verse 18 and you know this and I have several others but you know the passages these are not revelations to you. Psalm 34 and verse 15. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open unto their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles And then verse 18, the Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Remember, beloved of God, prayer unites your soul in communion with God. You cannot and must not attempt to approach God with sin and wickedness in your hearts or with bitter envying and strife or hatred in your hearts toward your brother or your sister in Christ, toward your neighbor or anyone for that matter. You cannot pray like this, but pray you must. You cannot pray like this, but pray you must. First John, I'll read two more passages and I'm done. First John chapter four. I love the Apostle John. It's interesting that he's the love apostle, one of he's the, the, the apostle that preaches preeminently about the love of Christ, and yet in his life with his brother James, he wanted to call fire down from heaven. To consume the Samaritans that would not receive them. And remember what Jesus said to them? You know not what spirit you are of. And so when we're thinking wrong, listen, that's I'll tell you, that's been one of my secret prayers of late, and I'll tell you that. I'll tell you daily is Lord, help me to think right. Help me to think like I should think as a Christian. Listen, we need help in that. I need help in captivating my thoughts. Philippians 4, you can look at the end. Paul tells us what to think about. That's a worthy prayer. Help me to think the way I should think, Lord. And when I think wrong, oh God, reveal it to me and convict me from my sins. Because listen, that's where it all starts. Down in your thoughts. 1 John 4:20 20 and 21, just two verses. The Apostle John says, If a man say, I love God, and hate his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, I reference this to what James wrote about those brethren, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. By this, Jesus said, shall all men know that you are my disciples when you have love, one for another. Beloved, remember this. Love and harmony in the church gathering among the brethren will come from each member's individual devotion to God and from their devotion to God in prayer. This is how we come into the Lord's house in the spirit on the Lord's day. If you're lost, if you're not a Christian, I would tell you to cry out to God. Some might say, well, you can't pray to be saved. I would tell you pray. I would tell you call out to God. Mm -hmm. Seek ye the Lord. Turn from your sins to Christ. Ask God to show you himself. If you really want to know God and you really want to know the God of heaven, if you really want to know Jesus Christ, if you're lost, then call out to God And if you really want to know and you sincerely really want to know and you want to know where you stand in the sight of God, ask God to show you himself and ask God to show you who you are. And I have no doubt that he will. I believe that he will. And when you do that and while you're praying that, open the Gospel of John and read it from front to back, 21 chapters. Read it. I have no doubt God will show you himself in that. That's a worthy prayer. Oh, Lord, help us to pray. Let's dismiss. Father, please help us to be a praying people, not a fighting people. And, Lord, I don't think we are. But, Father, this is the text that you have us. And, Lord, it's a good elixir to keep us. Father, it's a spiritual inoculation. Oh, God, that we might resist any wicked thoughts. Father, any anything that we might be thinking against our brother or sister in Christ, Father, O Lord, help us not be a people that provoke one another by contention and strife, but help us to be a people that provoke one another to love and to good works. O God, help us, Father, to be full of the love of Christ. Help us not to concentrate on our brother or sister's faults. Help us to concentrate on their graces. Help us to love them like we should. Oh, God, help us to keep our own eyes on ourselves and how we may walk with you, Father, in such a way that is honoring to you that we may devote ourselves to you every day. And then, Father, I know that you'll meet with us when we come into the Lord's house on the Lord's day. Bless these precious souls, Father. I pray for each one as they go. I pray you would have your hand upon them. Father, I do pray for Brother Gary as we come back this evening for the evening service. I pray that you would help him. Father, I thank you for what you've done today. And I know your word will not return void. And we trust it to you and give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Why don't we sing <coughs> <excuse me clears throat> a scripture song in Revelation 4.11. Um, I think that one's in there um brother Patrick revelation 411 is it in there yeah. let's stand and sing that